Instead, Mr. Speaker, this, this Leader of the Opposition, a former Director of Public Prosecutions, Mr. Speaker, he spent most of his time prosecuting journalists and failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile, as far as I can make out, Mr. Speaker. The government and the president are conservatives and afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised at that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any you dissent whatsoever. We know who the hard left who associate with the hard left. We just said that we have the right to right wing hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, hard left wing position. Hard left, the 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 hard left, been a bit like disinterested not disinterested but like disengaged <laughs> from politics so for the last couple of weeks and stuff so i've not really been following it all and you know so i've got to be honest i'm not really getting like what people are on about because like everyone deserves a legal defense in including jimmy savile and i don't understand why people are getting so mad at keir starmer for doing his job as a lawyer and representing him Exactly. Someone's got to do it. And Keir Starmer is, you know, a, a human rights lawyer and hashtag top bloke. And someone's got to step up. Well, uh, exactly. it, it was his it was his turn. You know, much like Corbyn running for the leadership, he didn't want to do it. It was his turn. <laughs> All the top legal guys, they do a rotation system. Someone else can do Gary Glitter the next time. So <laughs> the runner up gets to make a guest appearance at a Who concert. It's a nugget for all those who uh, listened to our last Patreon episode. <laughs> I obviously was feigning ignorance there, but I mean, I genuinely haven't been following all this, like, that closely. And I've largely stayed somewhat out of it. You could say I've ventriloquized my comrades just by doing a lot of retweets on the matter. But I guess yeah. this is the moment at which I, I step into the dojo on yeah. this contentious issue of Starmer Savile. Because you're seeing the two names together a lot at the moment, the two faces sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they've, uh, there's some enterprising photoshops going on from, from all political uh, schools of thought. The BBC, um, for example, they did a the good B graphic where they had, like, Jimmy, <laughs> Keir Starmer, yeah. Jimmy Savile, and yeah. they're, like, they're just literally a picture of the two of them side by side. Not literally, yeah. not, no. not a picture. No, 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 it was, it was better than that. It was just two identical pictures of Keir Starmer. One of them's, like, new leader of the Labour Party, and the other one's, like, massive nonce defender or something. <laughs> they put it up with like a tiny caption that was like far right meme in the, in the corner <laughs> broadcast out on screen for like 30 seconds well is it a far right meme I guess that's the question we're that all asking that particular that specific image was oh, okay the, yeah. um, I mean yes it's a far right meme in that the hated blog Guido Fawkes run by Paul Staines is a far right enterprise oh no they're legit I went to them for all <laughs> my information on the Corbyn movement I, I, I don't think that's far right. Yeah, I, I, I've been masquerading as the presenter, Gary and James, on this podcast for like three years. I'm, in fact, Alex Wickham trying to get 
pictures of other people in their pyjamas. <laughs> it's just a long con. It's just an alias that the catfish left us. <laughs> well, sorry on the baldness, mate. I was sad to see <laughs> the decline of uh, yeah. a once lustrous head of hair. No, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, no it was never lustrous. Uh, I mean, I... I I've got to say that I've not just seen these memes and so forth on right-wing social media. Obviously, I'm very involved in right-wing yeah. social media myself. But <laughs> I, I, I obviously peruse to give to my friend Lee Harpin, generally, a lot of the disreputable pro-Corbyn Facebook groups. And I saw on one of them someone had photoshopped Starmer's face onto a picture of Jimmy Savile, making him look uncannily like a humanoid badger. And I found yeah. it funny. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I, I don't even think they like fucking put a caption or anything. It was just like it was like Diane Abbott level low res as well. It was fantastic. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's something that's been shared around a million Facebook groups and, and WhatsApp groups and saved from all of them each time getting that bit lower quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Practically deep fried at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think within a week of Starmer becoming leader was the first time it was sort of remarked on in a particular group chat we're both in that, oh by the way someone's tweeting about this going around whatsapp their right wing uncle or whatever was like <laughs> sharing it and then you, you could see quite a lot of that like right from day one and in fact it's, it's been pointed out after Boris Johnson's made it in Parliament and it's got a new lease of life that two Tory ministers I believe it was Michael Gove and Priti Patel used it early in the 2019 general election campaign, specifically against Starmer, on live TV, I think, and it just didn't get any purchase because Starmer wasn't campaigning, and therefore no one in the press really wanted to damage him at that stage because probably he was probably at that point at least one of the people they were thinking of as a future leader. Yeah. But it's been out there for a long time, mostly from the right, but... It's cut across a long time ago into people that aren't interested in party politics, people that aren't usually engaged with it apart from when there's an election on. They maybe have one or two pet causes that they get very angry about. Usually stuff like animal rights, stuff like policing and nonsense. Uh, the big the big three in Britain, you've got to say, for people who haven't got <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that the slightest interest in the politics and current affairs. So, yeah, it, it's been out there a long time, and they've been turning it's like, It's like, um, just an, exa- an example, like, Ricky Gervais isn't very political, but, like, he is really big on animal rights, and also... Yes. Uh, atheism. At- he has slaughtered the sacred cows of Jimmy Savile and other infamous paedophiles. <laughs> by, by, by having him on the very first episode of Meet Ricky Gervais on Channel 4. If you go, if, if you go on all four and you watch the terrible failed vehicle for Ricky Gervais before The Office, after the 11 o'clock show but before The Office... I think it only got six episodes. I think it was only one series. Oh, I thought only... you were talking about the thing where he interviewed Gary Shandling. No, no, it was well before that. Uh, it's six I episodes. Thought, I thought when you said the paedophile thing, you were talking about... No, that was Ricky Gervais meets. That was... No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, well, <laughs> that was entirely on, different that's... from that's... meet Ricky Gervais. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh I'm sorry, yeah. Key, key <laughs> distinction, yeah. No, no, because no. in, in the Larry David one, the two of them like geek out about Woody Allen for like half the episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you did six episodes of Meet Ricky Gervais. There's only five of them on the all four player who are usually eager to get anything on with someone who went on to become famous. Oh, I guess and the then, other one he was saying the N word and spreading uh, vaccine misinformation. Uh, he, he had two guests on it, and the first one was Jimmy Savile. So it's like, <laughs> come out, my first ever special guest, come and sit on the sofa. And it's Jimmy Savile just making lots of weird, <laughs> creepy jokes. And I think Gervais making at least one about how creepy he is as well. About how creepy Savile is but does that mean we shouldn't invite him on to like this big new flagship Friday night comedy thing no get him on yeah but we were talking <laughs> yeah. about the uh, crossover of the Savile Starmer stuff to people who maybe aren't yeah. part necessarily of online far right or even on, or even on online hard online left or, or like politically organised yeah, yeah. yeah like us Sorry, I mean on the hard left thing. Not, not we're, we're very organised. Uh, we're ext- extremely organised. You, you can see that by the, the great successes of the left in Britain. <laughs> we're doing great. <laughs> but, no. yeah, so this has got, like, crossover appeal, is what we're saying. Oh, yeah, okay, no, here it yeah. is. A bit, this is what I was thinking of. A YouTube video called Ricky Gervais blast Jimmy Savile, Gary Glitter, and Harold Shipman. <laughs> well, he's, he's really laying into the sacred cows there, isn't That is Jesus. pretty much what I tweeted. I, I'm just going to oh, mute... Yeah. I, I'm going to, like, just go, uh, like, silent for a second, just because i got to talk to my man. Yeah, uh, the, the, the Shipman hey, army will be livid. Sorry about that. That's all right, that's all right. Important business, no worries. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could you hear all of that? No, you muted it about 20 seconds after you said you were going to, so I heard yeah. like the first couple of hours. I thought so. Well, it, you know, there's n- you're not going to be shocked by the contents of the conversation, I... I'll put it like that. Yeah, I got the gist <laughs> oh, of where it was my, going. My mate's calling me again, one sec. Yo, man, sorry. <laughs> so we just done the Ricky Gervais bit, and then now we yeah. can get back to talking yeah. about the dissemination yeah. of this Starmer stuff. Yeah. So obviously what's happened is it's been sort of running along in the background for at least two years. It was out there to an extent before, but obviously really started getting pushed around WhatsApp groups and that when Stammer became leader, not even so much when he was running for leader and was obviously going to win. Again, a lot of these aren't political people, didn't have the same currency until he actually was the leader. These are people that in many of these circles won't have heard of more than about 10 politicians, one of whom is always David Lammy for some reason. They're very mad about him. <laughs> well, he's, like, he, yeah, I guess. He... Not, not, not just because of his ridiculous centrist politics. No, but, def- but definitely for... partly because of just like how much he's in the media. They seem to... But mainly because they're racist. Yeah. I mean. the, the far-right groups talk about him like he's a sort of Malcolm X figure. And he's David Lammy. <laughs> it's just this, there's like, no, kiss there's ass, no, there's, like... There's literally nothing the two of them have in common other than being black. Like, that is racist as portray. Ooh, ooh, Starmer, give me a job. Ooh, yeah, I'm close friends with Obama, <laughs> me, yeah. Like, Lammy is, like, just the, like, least threatening figure to the political order in the world. Do you remember for a week after Grenville happened and he was, like, mad about capitalism? And then afterwards he's just, like... Uh, but on the other hand, no, my I entire know. career... <laughs> it must have been too brief a period of being mad about capitalism for me to notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was quieter than Clive Lewis being mad about capitalism at the same time. Yeah, um, no, I yeah, I remember him being very vocal about it, but I, I don't remember yeah. his critique being... Uh, like. Yeah, so this, this has been out there for a while, and obviously it's gone nuclear in the last week because Boris Johnson 
was actually for once having a hard time in Parliament, and he's just like, yeah, but you let Starmer get away with it. This one, you let Starmer get away with it. Uh, disgraced Jimmy Savile let Starmer get away with everything. No, he came out and, and, and said, like, yeah, but by the way, like, you, you let Savile away with everything. It's almost like a throwaway, but detonated a bomb because you weren't supposed to say it out loud. Mm. You were supposed to let the gutter elements of the press and the sort of right-wing whisper network take care of that for you. So, of course, every fucking mug journalist in the country, every mug politician from the Labour right to, like, the, <laughs> the moderate Tories and so on and the younger Tories who want to not come across as extremist were like, oh, no... He's traduced the great traditions of the house and he's crossed over into vile right-wing <laughs> smears aimed, <laughs> aimed, at, aimed at opposition politicians. How dare Boris Johnson do this? One, we didn't expect it of Boris Johnson. <laughs> Two, Former there's absolutely no precedent. <laughs> yeah, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Literally wrote a novel that was like, can I fit every single racial stereotype that exists in Britain into one, <laughs> yeah. into one like really flimsy 200-page novel? Yes, yes, I can, as it happens. <laughs> also, British political discourse is not about personal abuse aimed at to the opposition politicians. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I, right, I love okay. this thing of, like... I've come out of a coma after the last, like, seven years, and I agree. For example, Paul War tweeted some stuff about Starmer. Mm. He, he linked to Reuters fact-check, and he said, proof <laughs> that this is a smear. It also happens to be a smear propagated <sighs> by the online far-right. And then, just going back to during the 2019 election, Paul War tweeted out a video by an account called the Reagan Battalion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they sound legit. I want to hear more from them. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say I, you, I said the far right. Ronald Reagan was a very moderate politician. He was a liberal in, like, 1941, and, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, come on. Like, that's some avowedly right-wing uh, organisation, the Reagan Battalion, who are, I'm sure they're dodgy as hell, was sharing a video of Jeremy Corbyn taking what he says out of context. In the video, he says that in the media, when they talk about Israel and Palestine, they talk a lot about, especially in BBC World, he says... It's a 33-second video, and for Right Wing found, like, 500 things to get mad about in this. Yeah. But he says that they fixate on the notion that Israel has a right to exist. And what he means is that you basically hear that sentence a lot. So his Israel has a right to exist, Israel has a right to exist, but it's not Israel's existence unless you are fully signed up to the belief that it must be an ethno-state. It's not Israel's existence that is actually under threat. It's not up for debate, really. Whatever my views or anyone else's views, Israel, I think for the time being, is staying where it is. So Corbyn... It, ex it, it does exist, yeah. Yeah, Corbyn was saying, well, what about the right to exist of A, a Palestinian state, and B, the Palestinian people's right to exist mm -hmm. unimpeded by apartheid oppression? Anyway... Paul War, when it was the Reagan Battalion, was perfectly happy to share online right-wing propaganda. And he straight up interpreted it as, yeah, for many Jewish people, this is the real Jeremy Corbyn. And many wish he'd just admit these are his real views. A video of Corbyn saying a thing, where he's like, these are my views. And they're like, why won't he admit that these are his real views? <laughs> uh, but, you know, all those people have been up in arms about it. Starmer's yeah. 
Outriders, Rachel Wearmouth, Pippa Sparrow, Owen Jones, all of the usual. They came out <laughs> to defend Starmer, and I was just like, for fuck's sake, you're typical. Of course, what you'd expect from some of the people I named, but others I was disappointed. And I, I suppose you wanted to talk about how this was kind of inevitable. Not yeah, just because yeah. this specific thing about Starmer has been circulating for a long time, yeah. but because of the yeah. precedent set in other areas. Yeah, I mean, the story itself, it's not true as said. There's a grain of truth in it, and it's hugely exaggerated to get him, and it's very much aimed at the heart of people who don't have a sophisticated understanding of it, who understandingly can't be asked to look at the fine print of how the Crown Prosecution Service works, so they just see his name associated with famous nonces, ultimately, you know? Which is funny. It's not the main point I'm going to make now, but it's almost backfired this performative outrage by everyone. How dare he stoop so low and so on? Because what it's actually done is it's kept the story about Stalmer and Savile and their names together in the press, in the newspapers yeah, and so on. Yeah, I mean, come on, For, for, for a, week, a week now, bubbling up and down a bit, you know? Well, um, I mean, like, I would simply have better media management and PR strategy. I mean... Simple, simple, easy, easy as pie. You just shut it down like that. You close the matter mm-hmm. for good. Ultimately, there's got to be questions asked about his press secretary. Well, He's what do they inter- defend Savile as well? No, just... <laughs> too interested in pushing his lifelong pet political causes than he is <laughs> in coming up with a sophisticated defence of his leader that works with the press and with ordinary people. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, what we saw in the years before Steinman took over as leader is we saw the press throw everything at Corbyn. And they didn't, as much as they were throwing lots at him from day one, obviously in the usual corners, the right-wing tabloids that always go all out, we're, we're doing the sort of calculating what angle he's bowed at from a few weeks after he became leader and so on. But the ones that usually are better at feigning respectability, people like The Guardian, The Independent, to a lesser extent even the the right-wing tabloids like the Times and and even parts of the Telegraph. What we saw is them having gone comprehensively owned by Corbyn three times, and Mm. each time it made them angrier. So the the first time, you know, obviously when he first said he was running, it was going to be like, well, he's complete no-hoper, the only intrigue is, is he going to beat whoever comes last of the right-wingers? You know, is he going to come third or fourth, basically? And then when that poll put him in front, it was August, uh, I think, a few weeks still to go, everyone realised he might win, everyone freaked out about it. So you had The Guardian suddenly going full-on with anything between one and six articles every single day that were anti-Corbyn. <laughs> On one occasion, two in the same day from the same writer. <laughs> but they were Wait, who was in- that, by the way? Oh, God, I can't remember. It's one of just the, the boring ones. Um, <laughs> You're going to have to narrow it down, mate. I know. <laughs> I know. It's in the Alex Nunn's book, if you've got Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought I'm... I remembered it from there. Anyway, move on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, is it Anne Perkins or someone? Oh, fuck, is she even still at the guard? I don't, well... 2015, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's... it's not even someone... I spend yeah. a lot of time hating. Exactly, exactly. But the thing was, they'd mix in the very occasional pro-Corbyn one because they knew some of their leaders supported him, although obviously in complete inverse proportion, I think, at the time to their coverage. More of them supported him than didn't, that were involved with Labour. They went all out, but they were very much trying to talk around the theoretical 
Labour leadership voter, you know. Look, we all admire Jeremy Corbyn and his principles, but <laughs> here is why yeah, he'd be we, a th- here is why he'd be yeah. a disaster as the leader of the main opposition party. Please vote for one of these sensible ones and let Corbyn's great campaign move them a bit to the left and apply left pressure. You know, this was the argument they were making. They were trying to be reasonable. It wasn't very convincing, and they really undermined themselves with the sheer volume of this stuff. You know, if you're printing six polite hit pieces a day against someone, you're still publishing six hit pieces against them. Mm. It still has much the same effect. And obviously it didn't work whatsoever. Obviously the right-wing broadsheets were doing the sort of, ah, Corbyn, wouldn't that be disastrous? Let's all join for a laugh and vote for Corbyn. They'd hate that. Again, trying a different strategy that wasn't just pure, let's smear this guy's character. None of it worked. He got in easily. And then a year later, they needed to get rid of him. They were obviously planning against him from day one and then they chose a moment that was both just after the Brexit vote and at a point actually when the Labour polling was ticking upwards a bit. Yeah. Internal coup to get rid of him. They didn't get a great deal to support because the Labour right was scrapping for ages about who their candidate would be and they picked a really really particularly shit one in Owen Smith with the absurd strategy of hey I'm Corbyn but young and cool when he was neither like Corbyn or that young, or cool. But very um, virile. Yes, his, his strategy was, I've got a big penis and I drink normal beer. And it works. <laughs> he doesn't need Viagra. <laughs> yeah, so He sells it, it to you, he doesn't take it himself. Don't get a high yeah. on your own supply. That was the great strapline for the Owen Smith campaign. <laughs> But this obviously failed miserably. We know he got hammered in the leadership contest, but the strategy the press took against him was slightly different. They were more hostile at this point. They were more like, oh, Jeremy, for God's sake, go, you know? You can't win. Look, you've been a failure because he only had a couple of slight pole leads in the first year or something, and this was unimaginable failure. This was when we really started to see that any other leader would be X points ahead, it was usually 20, sometimes it was higher. I've seen people claim unironically anyone else would be 35 points ahead or pulling 70% or something like that. Failed miserably. And then they had some real ups and downs in the polls with a lot of downs to the point where the Tories called the snap election because they thought they could demolish Labour while they were at the polling low. And when that went wrong, there was even a a fairly half-arsed attempt like, oh, Labour should change leader now two days after the general election's been called. They've got time. They then went for him again. It failed particularly miserably because everyone just about obeyed election regulations in broadcasting and stuff like that. So what we actually saw in that time was the biggest turnaround of polling for a major party in the UK general election ever. And, you know, he got rid of the Tory majority, which nobody predicted. There was that famous thread with the hated Nick Cohen saying, like, oh... You telling me Labour are going to poll as much as 28% under Corbyn? Or, uh, Surely not. Matt, and then Good, there's a rep- Matt Goodwin saying he'd eat his hat. Yeah, yeah. And then like Nick Cohen, like, a week later, was like, oh, are you telling me that Labour are really seriously polling 30% as much as that with this idiot as leader? And then a week later, are you telling me that Labour are going to poll 32%? And so on it went, the whole campaign. So they got it wrong, and they were fucking scared at that point. And that's when we saw them going full, unprecedented levels of all-out attack. Before it was more the sort of the sheer consistency and volume of attacks rather than the intensity of them. Obviously, they did find 
one that worked, one that caught on with people better and stuck more focused to that line of attack. And it broadly worked fourth time of asking and the 2019 election was pretty disastrous. But what have they done now to get rid of him? They've created a political environment where that is seen as acceptable and the thing that works as well. So I think if this hadn't happened in this last week, we know they would have used that line against Keir Starmer in any general election, along with probably the Gavin Warboy's attack along the same lines, which is a more powerful one if Boris Johnson is still in charge because of the personal involvement that his wife had with the case. By yeah. the way, a number one political priority now, defend Carrie Johnson at all costs. Uh, she is uh, the most persecuted person in our society and I think yeah. it's a good use of multiple some of it directly because of Keir Starmer multiple <laughs> columnist <laughs> energies to defend her against uh, I don't know I, I haven't been keeping track of uh, yeah. people I, I've, I've heard that someone called her Carrie Antoinette again this is society's greatest injustice and yes. a valuable use of the platforms based... of people like Gabby Hinsliff it's just base misogyny isn't it you know you need to take women in politics seriously this is 2022 grow up exactly Keir Starmer for <laughs> I tried to come up with a joke. Well, I think I think the joke was the five years of Labour's legacy. There must be a woman, and then all the same people like, voting for Keir Starmer over two women. That is why like, he, he's the best for women's rights. Yeah. But Carrie Simmons, I guess she has been kind of popular because she got rid of Dominic Cummings, so she's seen as the person who you know got the Johnson administration back on track. Look at how well they're doing now without Cummings. I mean, clearly he was the one dragging down the whole operation. Yeah, well... He has outed himself as a bit of an idiot. I mean, if, if we didn't yeah. think he already was one. Oh, yeah. It was he's, like, he's... I thought he had more... His head screwed on more than your average Tory. He, he's someone who's a bit clever and thinks he's a genius. There's lots of them about in politics. He's maybe a slightly more obvious example of it than others, but... Yeah, anyway, yeah. where were we with Starmer? Um, so... Basically, yeah, sorry, I got distracted because I had to message my man again to sort yeah. out some logistics. <laughs> Starmer had a poll lead. Well, he still does have a poll lead. It's starting to shrink again now. Yeah, but fake he, he polls, brief- juiced numbers. He briefly had a reasonably big poll lead, again, partially due to the amateur methods of our failing some, polling companies some in Britain. Cunt took a piece of paper and wrote a fucking number on it and gave it to the media. They're all mm. made up. Listen mm-hmm. to Peter Hitchens. And he, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the polls. Peter Hitchens himself may have denounced that quote, but he's wrong. I agree with Peter Hitchens on this but one. The polls are absolute bullshit. Anyway, here's why it's hilarious, but Starmer's personal approval mm-hmm. ratings have slipped uh, so far. Yeah, so you had this lead, and... Um... Sorry, sorry, wait, that is the, the iron rule of polling, really, is just abided by people on every single side of a political spectrum. Mm-hmm including those doing the polling, is that the ones that reaffirm my beliefs are correct and the others can yeah. be discounted. Ignore Melt Ignore Melt Polls. The, the line on it, isn't it? But it's, the thing yeah. is, Doc, Big Boy Vistano was honest enough to say that. Everyone's thinking yeah. it. 
everyone thinks it or their own equivalent in whatever their faction is. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, ignore hard left polls. Blah blah blah. Yeah. When, when when they see a Carl Chauvin poll, ignore ahead. Russian polls. <laughs> 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 yeah. Now nah, big yeah. up Carl Chauvin at Sebastian. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Carl Chauvin. Curiously, they're the main ones. <laughs> The, the, the curious incident of the non-melt poles. <laughs> anyway, well, I thought I was hoping it. I yeah. remember uh, what well, he, you were saying he, in time he, to he, say he had anyway. this He had this lead, and it was looking really bad for Boris Johnson. They were like, oh, the resignations are going to come any time now. There's dozens and dozens of people actively plotting the meeting to time when to get rid of him and so on. And then... One of those fucking idiots offers to defect to Labour, <laughs> and Stan was like, "Yeah, some right-wing dickhead who's been in politics five minutes and no one really likes, and who only got in on on the wave of Boris Johnson's personality. Please come right in, join us, join us." And then the coup that was pretty much underway at that point just immediately fell apart. Well, Rachel Wimmer, someone whose opinions I put a lot of stock in, she uh, friend of the show, yes, yeah. yesterday compared. Boris Johnson to Jeremy Corbyn for something else but you know I agree I agree with this comparison of Boris Johnson to the most honest and decent and principled politician in the country because I think Boris Johnson has maybe learned one lesson from Jeremy Corbyn which is that when they tell you to resign you can just say no <laughs> if they they can force you out if they have the mechanisms to but if you mm-hmm. crunch those numbers and work out that they actually mm. don't then you can just do your best to stick it out might yeah. might be a bit miserable for a bit but it can be done this lot not even going for the hourly timed resignations gutless i don't know man gutless. the conservative party have so many fucking comebacks i can just see like you know in 2017 yeah. 18 we were all talking about how it's like a dead party they're on the way out and then bam like massive majority yeah. i can see in like 10 months or something or sooner we're all like discussing how there's going to be another like decade-long period of untrammeled conservative hegemony <laughs> and not with keir starmer at the head of it yeah i mean that's not going to change long long term until we have anything approaching any sort of political education or awareness in britain people thought when they had that run of getting wiped out by blair and then having haig and duncan smith as consecutive leaders that they would be basically an irrelevant party until about now 20 years later mm. but actually they've spent over half that time in power and their only sort of wilderness years were about five years and the fact is the country never stopped being right wing obviously that's partly the Blair government's fault and the Brown government's fault for not even attempting to actually ever make the case for any left wing ideas even when they were doing broadly centre left in relative UK term policies they were almost trying to sneak them in and sneak them mm. past people. Yeah. So that fed this sort of Daily Mail reader, oh, this is a grand Scottish conspiracy by Gordon Brown. He sold the gold and now he's doing cultural Marxism through sure start centres. <laughs> These were all genuine and quite widespread 
beliefs by probably the same sections of society that are frantically trying to make out that Starmer was Jimmy Savile's best friend right yeah, now. But, but you've done no, you've done nothing to you, you were absolutely happy with this hardcore of right wing lunatics to be like half the population in Britain so long as a small percentage of them voted for you to be enough to keep you in power. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure the facts bear out what you're saying because uh, from what <laughs> I, I understand, when has that ever stopped us before? Nobody, no opposition leader in Britain has ever been subjected to unfair treatment before. So I'm sure you're, you're just making excuses true. for Gordon Brown as you so often do with your brownite views, <laughs> your Scottish conspiracy. Well. Well, I just hated Blairism so much that I went for the most opposing force on the table, the most distinct politics that there were <laughs> from Blairism, which is Brownism. Yeah. Which it might appear to you, the, real the, the, the idiot listener, to be exactly the same, but replacing David Miliband with Ian Austin, for example. But no, you're wrong. Actually, it was good and distinct. Yeah. And in fact... If you ask me why in any more detail, I will just call you a troll and block you. <laughs> uh, okay, thanks, Mike, <laughs> as a great man <laughs> once said. So, like, as you were saying, this Starmer uh, smear, if you want to call it a smear, because I don't think what Boris Johnson <laughs> said in Parliament was exactly a lie. I don't think no. he wasn't... No. I mean, for a start, he, he has parliamentary privilege, so he just lies his ass off anyway. <laughs> like, that's how it works, isn't it? But what he said was, it was kind of carefully worded to just be like ha yeah he kind of melted and rode it back a little bit but it definitely was not just a straight up untruth you could uncharitably make the case that there's something to what he said i mean i guess the main argument you could make is you could turn back that you could this you people i saw that there was a Mm. bit of a backlash to this you on some parts of the left over the weekend and I wasn't really paying attention. Well, there has been a few times over the last year or so. I know, so I wasn't really um, paying attention, but so, so I just assume that somebody did a really fire this you tweet that really popped off. So, uh, according to these people's own logic, Jeremy Corbyn was responsible for every fucking single breath that anybody took in the Labour Party under his leadership. You know, the fish rots from the head down to use a typically pungent bit of Blairite anti-Corbyn imagery. I think Streeting was a proponent of that one. You know, Starmer did fucking apologise for the Crown Prosecution Service's handling of the Jimmy Savile case. He did say, I I take full responsibility. (laughs) So, I mean, he does take responsibility for every quote-unquote good thing. You know, Mm -hmm. like jailing teenagers who stole a bottle of water that he did when he was Director of Public Prosecutions. So, you know, there is a argument to be made for like why the fuck shouldn't he carry the can for this one i just suppose the question is what form does carrying the can take because yeah. there was a terrible a terrorist incident today where some people shouted at him yeah it's just uh, very scary you know a lot of intimidating people surrounding him and shouting some horrible abuse at him but a lot of the people again kicking off about it are the same people who were actually telling jokes about someone going into a mosque and punching Jeremy Corbyn with an egg in their hand. Yeah, yeah. And in the same sort of era as well, where we certainly now know that an actual terrorist who did act on that had plotted to kill Corbyn, had the opportunity presented itself. Yeah. 
can't remember the specifics, but I think there was at least one other plot to kill Orozakim exposed and someone got arrested for someone else before they did it. He absolutely got death threats as well. You'd see some of them openly on Twitter because he was a very high-profile divisive figure and none of this was condemned. It very much seems to be this is terrible, this is not the political discourse and environment we want now that it's against someone we like. Yeah, um, yeah it was like Chris and Guru yeah. Murphy who, when Corbyn was still running for leader before yeah. he'd even got in, was digging out the Hamas and Hezbollah bollocks. Oh, you called them friends. Yeah. Literally, I'll never stop ripping on anyone who thinks that oh, it's saying fair. the word friends in, in the, that Do you, do you not understand like, diplomatic language? Why didn't you know? he invite Israel to the House of Commons? Mm. Yeah, yeah, good point. Israel have no yeah. links with British politics whatsoever. Do they think when he's talking to people who have any sort of ties with Hamas and Hezbollah and anything like that, he isn't whenever he's speaking to anyone like that, he's like, I'm going to invite him to the House of Commons and I'm going to get him in and I'm going to say, great work, be more extreme. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely isn't. You know, he says he's a vegetarian, but I've seen him necking portion after portion of halal meat. <laughs> <laughs> Jolian in the DMs earlier today. Really? <laughs> really? Nice, nice bloke. No, I'm the like, only guy on the left who's not friends with him now, it seems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that we're enemies, I mean, you know, anymore, <laughs> <laughs> necessarily, until, until wow. he next says some shit about Corbyn or whatever. Well, where were we? <laughs> Should do a where were we count for RP recordings, like how many yeah, times we have to did... recalibrate. This must be a record for the amount of times we've done it relative to the amount of time we've been recording. You know, you usually get a few, but we're usually about three hours in at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a point I wanted to make, which is just basically, there's been a very vociferous pushback from Christian Guru Murphy and Paul War and all, all the people who Keir Starmer wouldn't piss on if they were on fire, quite frankly, in some cases. I don't really get why they're doing it, but the very vociferous nature of this pushback can itself be kind of a trap because they have brought an awful lot of attention to this. Uh, oh yeah, they've seen it discussed a hell of a lot more than it would have been if it just been makes a remark, a few people say fuck off with that, and then just drop it. Yeah, and I can't remember where about... You must apologise. You must get the speaker to demand that he apologises. Maybe we'll invoke the Queen. I can't remember where, but James Schneider said about the 2019 election that anti-Semitism damaged the Labour Party in that they had to answer questions about it in mm. every single interview. That's mm -hmm. the point at which the, what I think broadly was a politically motivated smear, especially mm -hmm. of Jeremy Corbyn, but also of the wider Labour membership who are not endemically anti-Semitic. That was the point at which it really took hold when it became something that was seen to define the Labour Party, largely through saturation of discussion about it in the media. And there's certainly been a lot of discussion about the Starmer Savile stuff. Like I say, one might turn on the TV and see a picture of his face next to Savile's. Maybe tomorrow you turn on the TV and see the Photoshop of the Pro Corbyn Facebook group where it's his face on Savile's body. <laughs> like, but that's generally been in the context of a pretty hard-driving fact-checking operation. And yeah, Oz Katagy, another friend of the show, helpfully yep. defended Keir Starmer 
by pointing everybody to a Channel 4 fact check on the Corbyn laying a reef for members of Black September story, (laughs) in which this person who had up until... I think months before writing that article, worked for George Osborne at the Treasury, yep. <laughs> had basically written an article perpetuating the politically motivated smear that Corbyn laid a reef for terrorists. So thanks to Oz, somebody might see that, see the defences of Starmer and all the fact check places and think, well, that's bollocks isn't it <laughs> it's hard not to have an element of uh, i think someone called it starmer freude you know <laughs> in this whole thing be a very funny word to hear keir starmer say himself in his voice. <laughs> yeah you just can't get your society to a point where a polling day in a general election you have hundreds and hundreds of signs put up by an extremely shady dark money campaign group <laughs> that read with a big picture of Corbyn looking sinister, would you trust this man with your kids? <laughs> uh, you do that outside hundreds and hundreds of polling booths. That sounds like they're links. saying he's a paedophile. Yeah. yeah. Now, that is illegal. It's against election law, right, and the regulations. It is also the dark money group I talk about. There was a Daily Express journalist, or possibly former at that point, taking credit for it all over Twitter for like two years for this particular campaign group. So they knew who'd done it, they knew what had been done, there was evidence everywhere, and they decided collectively the police weren't interested, none of the political parties were interested, none of the media were interested at all. There were lots of slightly less egregious examples of that, all sorts of weird hundreds of thousands of pounds of Facebook advertising for a landlord lobbyist group on Facebook (laughs) that popped up about a week before the election or something, or a week before the election campaign. None of it got investigated at all, but ultimately you did have this thing where we don't like this guy Corbyn, so it's actually fine now, even though it's been illegal for 200 years, to put up signs outside the polling booth basically implying he's a nonce, (laughs) or he would let nonces run riot or something. (laughs) You know, if if you do that in a general election, in in a supposed democracy... There's going to be all sorts of blowback from that. And you can't really act surprised when, two years later, they're using this guy, makes me nonsense, isn't he? On the next guy. Yeah. Um, the idea that it's somehow only bad now because this guy is a centrist and the other guy was a left winger. I mean, how, how, can, how can you explain that in any logical sense? I, like, I, I love, uh, as Obscurantist X pointed out, there are people who last night <laughs> thundered about Boris Johnson using smears and putting people at risk, and literally an hour later, approvingly shared Rachel Reeves' interview where she yet again portrays socialists as awful <laughs> racist idiots who deserve nothing but abuse. This is her interview with Lee Harpin. With Lee Harpin, the Gabba man. Arch muckrake, anti-left muckraker. Yeah. And formerly arrested for phone hacking, you know, yeah. uh, just an absolute gutter scumbag. Yeah, oh my god, I've got a Starmer supporter in my mentions. I did a tweet calling Corbyn the most decent and principal politician in the country, and some account called Sister Mary Jude head host of GB News 10am Sunday Nun Show with Sister Bridget. All opinions of that of Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church. I feel like this is a parody account. Is this, it sounds like Eurotrash, but for 
British pedophiles in their 60s. <laughs> I do not think even GB News actually had that show on air. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> but, but anyway, Sister Mary Jude said, Keir Starmer, as in, is he the most decent and principled politician in the country? And I replied saying, put down the pipe, sister. I didn't use the picture of Rob Ford smoking crack this time. Maybe next time. Save that for Paul Prof Rob Ford. It works. <laughs> and they replied, please help me understand. Are you talking about the human rights lawyer knighted for his <laughs> contribution to law and pro bono work? Well, I'm big YouTube fan. <laughs> they capitalise Bono, you see. Uh, you you have to see it to get it, really. Um, it's a very sophisticated joke, maybe not on the level of some people listening in. She says, you talking about that guy or protest man? What can you do with these people? Just fucking idiots and cunts. Like, just what can you do? <laughs> if you haven't got a law degree, ultimately you shouldn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Apart from me, a journalist. Yeah, fuck. Who is noble somehow. There's probably some journalists, so yeah, it's probably... If you have more. if you have ten lawyer friends, it's the same as being a lawyer, so you're fine. Just some shit, Rachel Reeves and her... Lee Harpin, yeah. Her Lee Harpin interview. Yeah, that that... That really sucked. Yeah, you've got people as well bringing up the views of Tom Newton Dunn on it. This guy has done more than Boris Johnson to normalise far-right conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. And in fact, when Starmer did that ITN interview thingy with Piers Morgan, <laughs> ITV rather. Oh, uh, yeah, that turned everything uh, around for yeah. him, didn't it? Yeah, well, that had video montages all over it because they knew that an interview with Keir Starmer was ultimately too boring to pop a rating, right? <laughs> and one of them touched on the CPS and Savile just briefly in a montage and then immediately cut to Tom Newton Dunn being like, well, it's always a bit controversial if you've got someone coming from a position like that to politics. <laughs> like, they were actively trying to hint at this on fucking primetime ITV. Yeah. I've got the it's... Rachel Reeves quote she gave to Lee Harpin. She said about the people who really turned against Labour, I guess, your Lee Harpin core audience, your Nasha types. That pride, I guess, pride in the Labour Party's strong history of fighting for what's right, had been knocked out of them, actually, over the last few years when they were knocking doors and people told people and people told people weren't voting Labour because it was an anti-Semitic <laughs> party. Maybe Pollard had better copy editors. But like over the last few years when they were knocking doors and people told people weren't voting for Labour because it was an anti-Semitic party <laughs> and that these people were very unhappy about the direction of the party. I think correction, these specific people were knocking doors and telling people not to vote Labour because it was an yes. anti-Semitic party and that these people were very unhappy and that they should be very unhappy about the direction of the party another phrase she uses that you can really turn right round is that pride had been knocked out of them actually because there were some people who actually who were quite proud of what they were doing campaigning for the Labour Party over yeah. the last few years, who had the stuffing knocked out of them quite physically, <laughs> in quite a yeah. literal corporeal sense, something was knocked yeah. out of them. But uh, And look, if, if the party was so intrinsically bad as you're making it out to be, Rachel Reeves, 
Why did you campaign for it in 2017, 2019? Why didn't you join the Cuckoo people where you'd immediately have been the big dog and the party leader and might have made them more successful? Yeah. I mean, like, they would have got, like, 100 more votes than they did or something. Yeah, I, I think, like, she right. knew that that was a train to nowhere. She was waiting in the wings to bring the proud this, anti-racist spirit of Nancy Astor this, back to the Labour Party. This party is despicable and morally unconscionable, but I won't get re-elected if I don't go along with it. Which is obviously it's the same thing you could say about Keir Starmer, of course. He was a front bencher in the time as well. Yeah. And obviously that every now and then does get thrown at them. Uh, Starmer particularly. He's, he's not really, he's not got an answer to it, you know? Exactly. The closest he's got is to sort of allude and not quite say, but allude to like, well, I, I sort of went along with it so I could be in position to make the Labour Party good again afterwards. But ultimately, that's just another example then of him basically coming around and saying, I'll say anything to achieve my goals. And there's other interviews he's given where he said, I'll change any of my policies if it will get me elected. I don't necessarily, aren't necessarily going to go into an election with any of these. He's given an interview shortly after he became leader, basically saying, God, I'm glad that's over now. I don't like speaking to the membership. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and people are, like, defending that. Like, yeah. no, no, he just yeah. isn't that kind of person who likes doing all the glad handling yeah. and stuff. It's like, no, no, so, he so fucking hates socialists, man. <laughs> so, you, you, so you're going to a voter, whatever their existing political views, whatever their level of political engagement, and you're saying to them, this guy was adopting this position because he thinks it might make people like you vote for it and he's now adopting this position because he thinks it may make people like you vote Fucking for it like you are me. telling these people really quite directly that you think they are thick mm. that is one of the most stupid things you can possibly do in politics and they're doing it weekly there's this weird thing where they treat interviews with the press which are one of the main ways in which they communicate with the public as almost when a wrestler leaves a company and gives a long four-hour interview about all the behind-the-scenes stuff. Mm. Hey, here's all the industry stuff, the insider shit you want to know. Or when someone's a retired musician and they write a book that's got all the gossip in about their old bandmates and stuff like that. that. Like, yeah, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you, if you were doing that in between recording sessions, your band wouldn't last long. Well, Crosby, Stills and Ash and Young pretty much did, and yeah, that's... That, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, How many configurations of those four did four, we get as a result? 40 yeah. years and like 400 <laughs> different splits. Yeah, I mean, I want to wrap up in a minute, but like, yes. this has been quite fun because honestly, yeah, I guess it's kind of grim. I've had slight misgivings. I don't want to get on my high horse about this because I've like retweeted a bunch of stuff, but I've not been sure how to approach the subject myself because I really... I don't want to make light of sexual assault. But then when you see people making out for anyone who is even broaching this subject is basically like (laughs) saying Jimmy Savile was great. (laughs) I I kind of think you saw some of these people trivialising one of the greatest crimes in history. As recently as this year's Holocaust Remembrance Day, when like 40 cunts in one CLP staged a walkout of a Jewish woman's Holocaust Remembrance presentation in which she 
remembered the Holocaust, talking about yeah. her ancestors' her resistance ancestors. to the Holocaust. It was specifically about women's resistance, I think. Mm. They thought that the priority was, as they gleefully briefed to the media, giving the hard left a bloody nose. So if the fucking Holocaust isn't <sighs> sacred in this, I don't know what is, man, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I think with the star, with the sapple thing, it's probably not good that I keep conflating those two. Um, <laughs> they, they are very different people. Two sides um, of the same know. coin. <laughs> the sapple thing, obviously, he was a prolific offender for a long, long time, for decades. And it sounds like there were lots and lots of occasions which various police forces and ultimately the CPS had potential chances to stop it or hold him to account for it and they botched a lot and at that point it's establishment wide is who's going to be embarrassed by us finally getting around to do this now after 20 years 30 years 50 years and that i think is probably what does reflect badly on starmer but also particularly show the idiocy of having someone who's director of public prosecutions and then a few years later is leader of the opposition <laughs> in that ultimately part of that job is minimizing embarrassment to the establishment yeah that's not 100 like, that's not in the job description but in practice that's always going to be a factor that's on the mind of someone in this position yeah um, so i hope that maybe this does <clears throat> bring some people to take a closer look at keir starmer's actual record at the cps whether or not you think he has questions to ask on the sable stuff there are questions yeah. Not necessarily paedophilia-related yeah. ones. Look, I've not looked at enough oh, of yeah, the details. Yeah. Maybe there, maybe I'll <laughs> look into it further and I'll find actually maybe there are. But there's definitely stuff like just one name, John Charles de Menezes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, obviously, a lot of these right-wing memes going around about it are very much like, oh, is he in league with nonsense? No, he's obviously not. But prosecuting Savile to the full extent they could would have embarrassed the establishment. Well, I mean, given the circles... Just as, just him. as, just as properly prosecuted in the John Charles de Menezes case would have embarrassed the establishment. Exactly. Just as not going full turbo, full bore heavy on people involved in the 2011 London riots mm-hmm. would have seemed to embarrass or weaken the establishment <laughs> and many such cases, there you know? There are questions <laughs> to answer. There's, there's, look, let's just say that. There's questions yeah. to answer. Yeah. I think <laughs> his closeness to the police, and if my suspicion is if he, if he did have anything to do with the decision itself not to prosecute Savile, yes. it would be to not draw further light on decades of massive failings by the police in certain areas of, of Britain. Questions um, to answer. Yes, many, many <laughs> questions. Okay, well, maybe we'll have more on this in the future. We will. We'll try and record sooner than later. I think we've touched on a bit of this stuff. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long this remains one of the big stories in British politics. By the way, I think they've already fucked up by making it a week. Sorry, how shit of a children's charity name is this? The Touch 'em All Foundation. No. It's, it's real. Is that, is that real? Yeah, it's, it's maybe they've renamed it now. It's an American thing. Right. It raises money for other children's charities. Uh, I saw it in an article about Garth Brooks's rock alter ego, Chris Gaines, on Stereo Gun. That, no, sorry, sorry, that, that's not real. That's a South Park bit. The Touch Em All Foundation. Come on, that's not real. I thought you were being serious. It does sound like a South Park bit. 
Nah, <laughs> it does seem... Uh, Touch em all Foundation raises $3 million, 2003. Yeah, Garth Brooks is their sponsor. It's... Talking Tea Global has a Touch em all Foundation page. For Garth Brooks, I've, Touch I've em all say, Foundation. This, this looks a bit, to me, like a fucking tax jobs charity, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, Garth Brooks uh, might see it. In which case, you'd have to be particularly fucking stupid to call it something that sus as Touch of All Foundation. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we take loads... You just give it a bland name and no one's ever going to look twice at it in we America. We take money and we give them to children. Oh, how do you do that? Oh, we give them to all the children's charities. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is straight from a slightly underwhelming Mr. Garrison B. Brock yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I gotta go. Gotta go. Right. Uh, questions to answer. Many questions, questions to answer. Yeah. It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.